HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. On behalf of our family of hosts, staff, and the millions of listeners who have tuned in since 2009, we want to wish you happy holidays and ask for your support as we launch our daily in-house news coverage. Please consider making us a part of your end-of-year giving in 2013. Your membership donation is tax-deductible and the best way to show you believe in our work and the importance of a free, food-focused media resource. Consider donating today at heritageradionetwork.org by clicking the Donate button. Thanks for your support and enjoy the show. Hey, hey, it's it's Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and welcome to our last live broadcast of 2014. Um, it is officially the holiday season, so uh, we're talking about what happened in 2013. Um, this show is all about books these days. It's all about food literature, cookbooks, uh, practical uh, botany tips, gardening, and also food politics. So we wanted to wrap up and, um, you know, the year in books about food. Um, we have some favorites and we also have a guest joining me today to discuss some of those. Um, her name is Lena McCarthy and she is the founder of Anarchy in a Jar, Artisanal Jams, and also, also the author of Jam On, The Craft of Canning Fruit. <laughs> Thanks Hi, for joining. Everyone. Um, so your book came out in 2012, 2012. Yeah. So it doesn't make the cut. It doesn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise we'd be talking about our books. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, um, you know, we, we all know the bestseller list and we, we see what's on display at bookstores, but, uh, let's start off with some books that we may have not heard of, um, or I may have, or, you know, vice versa. So Lena, what, what do you have that well, might you know, be I, less common? 
I do have a like a secret life as kind of a book nerd. I used to be uh, previous to being a jam maker. I was a librarian. Oh, that's so right. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of my You're a uh, bookish. Yeah, I'm a little bookish, but um, and I also tend to kind of like. Um, quirkier books too in general Mm -hmm. I mean especially in terms of um in cooking and cooking literature I think I tend to be drawn to ones that are a little more I don't know a little weirder voice driven Um, maybe maybe yeah yeah. definitely I mean I also obviously appreciate really beautiful like interestingly well-written books but um one I really liked this year was The Drunken Botanist by um Amy Stewart I think is her name Amy Stewart yeah and um it just was a really fun book. It was, uh, it's all about the history of botanicals and plants that go into um, classic alcohols. So it's so, kind of so a cocktails or just it's the like, alcohol. Uh, it's it's both. mostly it's both, but it's mostly like you know it's like talking like weird quirky stories about rye uh-huh. um, or the history of sake. And yeah. how it began with, you know, a grain of rice and its weird history. And obviously it makes sense that um, alcohol is kind of the base of, ha- has a weird history. It's mm-hmm. always been a little bit um, uh, naughty, I think, and always a little bit uh, uh, quirky in its history. And often it was, you know, accidents that help people discover how to make some delicious Nice. fermented drink because it's fermentation. So so right, much right. is, you know, and it's, but it's it was a really fun read and kind of... Um, Obviously, so much of it the, was things I didn't know, like, you know, the, the history of rye being something really quirky. Yeah, and, weird, and now so. that you think about it, like, everything, that, you know, everything alcoholic is um, is plant-based. Exactly, it's exactly. It's totally plant-based from yeah. grains and also to a lot of the mix-ins, uh, mixers. Totally. Like, bitters and so forth. It's yeah. just herbs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so. and they were talking about, like, in the book, they have a history of Angostura bitters, which is, like, a really disputed, it's, like, a 30-year battle, may or may not be the basis of um, Angostura bark. It's really, there's a lot of fun, fun stories in there. Somebody so. just walked into the door. <laughs> we, <laughs> we've got another guest on. Um, uh, so she's getting settled in here, another expert to talk about food books. But um, that's an interesting one, and I haven't heard of the yeah. drunken botanist. Yeah. And I it's think a perfect it's time obscure. because everyone's, you know, having fun with their home bars and totally. trying to get into mixology. So Exactly. It's a perfect to book to read when out. you want to, like, when you're bored, it's winter, and you're wanting to think about green things that turn into alcohol. Um, so we've got Wenjie Ying. She is the founder of Local Roots NYC. And um, which is a CSA that anyone can join, wink, wink, and um, get some some of the best um, local produce and meats and dairy. Um, Wenjay, thanks for joining. Hey, sorry I'm late. That's okay. It's a. It's actually <laughs> there's a huge rainstorm outside, so I, I was afraid you got swept away. I almost um, did. Yeah, <laughs> there was a huge truck parking for 20 minutes in front of me. Yeah. Mm. Um, so glad you made it. Um, do you have uh, an unusual or maybe less less known, not a bestseller, uh, favorite food book or piece of food literature of the year? Um, no, but I have been more interested in the magazines this year. Ah, mm. food zines. Yeah, I think mostly because we're we're starting a local roots zine, oh. so we're trying to find inspiration. Um, I think two favorites. Actually, three of them right now are Cherry Bomb. Cherry Bomb, that's it's right. It was founded by the the wife of uh, some res- restaurateur, right? Yeah, the guy that owns um, like Smith Canteen and right. all those on Smith Street. 
Um, she also works a lot with, I think, like edible schoolyards and stuff like that. So Cherry Bomb is a, a feminist take on food? Yeah, it's great. Ooh, nice. It's all about strong women involved in food, um, and it's very, it's, it's very creative-based, and all the contributors are women. That's exciting. It's a, it's a new kind of niche yeah, uh, for magazine. Yeah, I brought one here if you guys want to Oh, see. nice. <laughs> it looks <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, today, this year was um, th- we saw a lot of new food magazines. Mm-hmm. What are some of your other favorites? Um, have you guys seen Gather Journal? Yeah, that's a pretty one. Yeah, that it's one's really great. beautiful. And I'm going to switch over here. <laughs> get <laughs> get situated. No worries. Uh, what about um, Modern Farmer? That's I, pretty, too. That yeah. was an exciting uh, yeah. launch. Talking about agricultural, um, uh, just every topic concerning agriculture and uh, the food system, Modern Farmer. Yeah. I actually love Gather Journal because it feels like they could be your friend. I mean, they have like mixtapes out for each issue. They, the recipes they have on their, in their journal and also on their website are inspired by movies, which I think is really neat. Mm, that's really I didn't neat. know that. That's cool. Yeah. So they have a cocktail recipe based on like the Royal Tenenbaums or mm. a lot of Wes Anderson. It sounds like something we would do. <laughs> that's, what <I'm> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, these guys are my friends. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right. So yeah, it's a, any anything else? You said three magazines. Did you? Yes. I have a bad memory, so I had to write these things down. No worries. <laughs> um, Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Oh. It's called Kinfolk. Oh, Kinfolk. Yeah, you guys seen it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you can tell, they're all. All these magazines have a very similar aesthetic, and they're, they're very visual. They're very so visual. visual. Yeah. Yeah. The photography. Yeah. So yeah. and they're quarterlies, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly. And I think Kinfolk is good because they have a whole city guide. So, you know, they'll do reviews on a coffee shop in Portland or talk about a restaurant in Toronto. So if you're going to a city and you want to mm. see something that you will guarantee, like, um, it's probably, you know, something related to a Brooklyn owner mm-hmm. also, um, you can check out their website or magazine. Very cool. So many, so many magazines to choose from. Yeah, maybe that's a good idea for like a, a subscription or like a gift or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good for, for your foodie friend. Um, so I have a pick that uh, I actually had this author on the show over the summer, but you know I haven't. You know I just thought it was a really smart book, but I haven't heard too much about it. So I'll bring it up. It's called Raising Dough: The Complete Guide to Financing a Socially Responsible Food Business. And uh, just the fact that this book exists, I think, is very telling of like a new um, new trend and a new movement, really, in a small, locally or socially responsible food businesses, um, which you guys know a lot about <laughs> um, as Trying. business owners, you know, <laughs> at startups or whatever you want to call it. I mean, this book is practical, but it's also it kind of looks at the big picture and what it means for like the larger scheme of, of producing food mm-hmm. and growing it and so forth and, and business. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what are some things that you've taken away from that book so far? Um, uh, 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 <laughs> 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 I, I, it was, I'm a little rusty cause I had, I had her on the show and, um, she is also, uh, you know, so she comes from it from a nonprofit background. Like she's been, um, fundraising for, many different uh, socially responsible organizations. Um, and it just, 
occurred, you know, to to her and as well as a lot of other experts in this kind of field of nonprofit that food really connects a lot of people and it really ties into a lot of the goals that they're trying to do. So if we focus on food and and since we are seeing a lot of people doing that, um, starting up new businesses, small businesses and, you know, all sorts of food niches, um, then that's something that we should encourage. So this book is all about really just hands on, like how to do it, how to do it well. Um, Lena, what do you think? Because you've had your business, what, for five years now? Almost five, yeah. What do you think has been, I think, the biggest challenge? Um, I think that the biggest challenge is actually, well, I don't, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of challenges, but <laughs> um, challenge. <laughs> I think, uh, I think managing growth is the hardest thing mm-hmm. while also maintaining a certain level of, of integrity, integrity and own and like independence as oh, well. Gosh, yeah. Um, and I think uh, it's really interesting to see how businesses go beyond that five year point too. I think a lot of small businesses fold or transform as they grow. Um, I mean, I think transforming is natural, but I think, uh, the way to sustain it is to, um, it's to really find that that niche where you're you're able to uh, have a, a viable business that's also smart and like mm-hmm. and feasible so, and has a longevity, which is about sustainability and having a real like mm. a, a real uh, I think having roots that go beyond a fad or beyond something right. that's you know that's just gonna. So if you have something that's sort of indispensable that nobody else really does like you exactly. do, then yeah. that's yeah, then you can. But maintaining that is difficult, <laughs> and and actually transforming that as people's needs change, how does your business change with people's needs? And right. that's I think, a, uh, it's like that's how you succeed, but also it's like how you fail <laughs> or how you how you struggle is, I mean, is I, doing that and kind of keeping on your game. And I, I mean, it's interesting because I I'm fat. I totally am going to read that book and yeah. look at it because I'm curious what yeah, she'll say. I mean, I, I see I see a lot of <laughs> we, questions with <laughs> raising dough. It's like I want dough. I know, and it's tough. <laughs> Where is this dough? <laughs> it's tough because I see a lot of like kind of people looking at this new kind of food movement, artisanal food movement, as an elite thing because it's people, you know, it's just. It mm-hmm. can be harder to afford, and you know, for all these reasons, that um, the system is not maybe set up for small business as well as you know mm-hmm. some something that is um, just a lot more robust and uh, has millions of investors and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, th- it's it's really tough to conquer that, mm-hmm. um, and you know, that's that's a huge concern. At least I hear. Yeah, and I think uh, I think one of the things about having a a, un- a new business, especially one that's somewhat unique, um, and certainly something at least I feel is often this a uh, lack of mentorship. Like I wish I'm always looking for mentors or people to help me who are like older and wise. Yeah, everyone's and, figuring and it I, out. And I and I obviously there's many wonderful wise people who've done businesses before, but there is something unique about um, food businesses and like. 2013 where it's a different market it's a different world it's like you're the the classic model of how you would start a business of how mm. you, how you'd raise money right. how you would grow all of those rules are not necessarily rules anymore like and i think that's what a lot of us are doing is changing those models exactly kickstarter or like you know there's plenty of other ways to like raise revenue and to maintain a certain level of autonomy as well in your own business yeah. while raising revenue and that means it's that's like kind of a game changer in it terms is. of being a business owner so it's also a whole generation of people that 
don't know anything about running a business that are running businesses. And we hear that all the time. Somebody was a career changer. Mm -hmm. They used to be a teacher and all of a sudden they decide to make donuts for a living. You know, like that's just the classic example of the new kind of food entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Totally. So lots of, lots of food for thought in raising dough. It seems to, you know, resemble a lot of what we see going on in our life, especially here at heritage. um, So in Brooklyn, yeah, and you know, on that note, to veer it back to cookbooks too, because I know we're get, we could, I'm sure one day and I could talk about business ownership for a long time, <laughs> which we do for a long time. Ad bars. <laughs> While we're spending the dough, we don't have. Yeah, exactly <laughs> spending the dough and raising dough. Um, I think that. I mean, in terms of cookbooks, I always find books like Raising Dough or, like they said, like The Drunken Botanist or mm-hmm. books that are like that to be a little bit more interesting to me and like my library of collections of stuff than the standard. I think a lot, there's so many cookbooks out nowadays. There's so many. It's crazy. It's like, I feel like every day I talk to someone who has a new cookbook, which is really cool. There are a lot of but cookbooks. But it's also crazy. It's like, how can you read that many? Or Well... That's what we're trying to do on the show, or, <laughs> or at least, you know, pick through them and um, and get to know the folks behind them a little bit better. Yeah, and I guess my point being that I think a lot of the publicized books, like the ones yeah. that you see touted, are not always mm-hmm. the most interesting. I think that's why I'm so connected to these really visual magazines, is mm-hmm. that you can connect with this image more. It's more casual. And that maybe. brings you into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I, totally. I love that Gather Journal actually... Um, they divide everything by, you know, like appetizers, main dish, dessert. Um, it's formulaic. Yeah. 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 Something to look forward to each year mm-hmm. or each issue that, yeah. that's in each one. Cool. Um, let's um, talk a little bit more about cookbooks and uh, other favorite books um, right after a quick little commercial and musical interlude. I ain't looking for no trouble tonight. You are listening to Let It Go by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network dot O-R-G. I ain't looking for no fight. Just let it go. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Did you know that pollinators are needed for more than two-thirds of the world's crop species? Most of these pollinators are bees. However, North America's bee population has been steadily declining since the 1990s. Whether you live in the country or the city, you can show your commitment by hosting a hive in your backyard or even on a rooftop. The beekeeping movement is growing, so you're sure to find swarms of folks who can help you find your way. Learn more about the ways you can help be the solution at wholefoodsmarket.com slash share the buzz. It was just this morning. All right, we're chatting about our favorite food books of the year, 2013, that is, with Wen Jae Ying of Local Roots NYC, Lana McCarthy, and Archeon Jar. So we just went over some of the sort of lesser-known books. Um, but this year, um, I know Lana and I read this. I don't know if Wen Jae did. I've, uh, I've been listening I'm, to... I'm holding it. <laughs> okay. I was actually just listening to his talk at Google about that book on the way Ooh. here. Okay, so that would be um, a major scribe in food literature, and it's Michael Pollan. He came out with a huge book called Cooked, the, the natural, a natural history of transformation. 
Um, so obviously a major book, um, big bestseller, um, very long <laughs> and uh, very anticipated. Um, what do you think, Lena? Um, I liked it. I actually, <laughs> I did. did I read, I read and listened to yes, it, which is right. so interesting. Audiobook. Like audiobooks are, I'm a really visual person. So listen, listening to something is, I like it, but it's weird for me. Um, though I actually loved, I really liked his audiobook because he has this kind of amazing, um, voice. <laughs> It's yeah, very he like comforting. The whole book. And he really. So it sounds like he uses a comforting book, a comforting voice that really was like, and lulls you into his discussions. I mean, I think the it was interesting. Natural I, storyteller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and think it was, because the book is inspired by, like, nostalgia almost. You know, of cooking with your family or the reasons why we even started to cook, which is makes sense that he's a enticing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Voice. Now, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was very entertaining. And for those who haven't read it, it sort of um, dissects cooking through four natural uh, essential elements of cooking, which are fire, water, air, and earth. And then um, kind of talks about, like, so for the fire chapter, he goes down to Texas and smokes brisket with the pit masters there. And then for water, he has, a, he has this chef... Who teaches him all these, <laughs> all these, I don't know, essentials of like, you know, kind of rustic peasant cooking um, and so forth. But um, interesting criticism I heard recently, I can't remember, you know, where exactly, but I, I think I've heard this a few times. Um, similar to what we've been hearing criticized um, with M- Malcolm Gladwell's works is that it's kind of like pop, uh, mm-hmm. pop culture, you know, investigating a topic from a lot of you know, voices that he interviews and they're sort of selected, you know, albeit, you know, in all earnestness, like a journalist would get that voice of the people, but in a sort of maybe random way. Mm. And it, they're just taking these few examples to prove a greater point, which is maybe not, I don't know, solid enough. But um, I don't know if that, you know, in Cooked, Michael Pollan is trying to come to a great thesis but rather than like you know explore these different facets of cooking but it is it did seem to me like well i wonder why he picked that pit master you know what what would the outcome be like if he went with the other pit like another barbecue guy and so forth yeah and i think i mean sometimes at least this book i felt was a little some parts it seemed a little um a little you bit not say. shallow, but like, oh yeah, we get that fluff, bar- like fluffy, okay. fluffy. Uh, you know, we get that barbecue exists, and I know for people who have existed, it seemed like a little bit um, that Too- part, especially a little, I don't know, out of date or a little bit like because we've been hearing obvious. about barbecue glory for a long time. Yeah, it's getting a little old for us. Yeah, the way he he was talking about barbecue, kind of in the way as though like, ooh, this new thing, barbecue. <laughs> it's like, there's like how many barbecue restaurants are glorifying in New York right now? There's like eight hundred. Yes, <laughs> it's very very trendy and very yeah. trendy. But do you feel like that's because he's trying to focus on a different audience than his other maybe. books? Maybe, maybe. Maybe like it's more it's more general. It's more about it's, the general question of how to cook. It's not the science behind something. You know, you're really it's, right. This is true. that was that's a crowd pleasing topic. I mean, a lot of people who might not necessarily want to read about food politics and how we're ruining the yeah. environment, yeah. like in his other books, would maybe want to pick up cook. Uh, oh, bleh, would want to. 
You know what I mean. He wouldn't have cooked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they would be entertained by cook, but then, you know, with his other works, it, it would be harder to swallow. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, there is like that's a compromise true. there. And, and, and that said, I actually did find it like, I mean, it inspired me to make brisket. I was reading mm-hmm. about fire and, uh, and that's something that I don't usually cook. Or what if like, you know, for the cook meat, section, so. he talks about these yakitori chefs or somebody, you know, I'm looking at this Louisa Shafia book and, you know, grilling on a shish kebab in an outdoor, I don't know. There's so many ways to go with fire, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, yeah, the barbecue thing really appeals to a lot of, um, mainstream for sure. American readers. Yeah. I mean, I think I actually wish I that... I if it was a conscious thing. I yeah. wish that he'd gone a little more into some of the food politics. I felt like it was a little... That's what I mean about fluffy. It felt a little fluffy, parts of it. Was it was an easy read. It was easy, yeah. Yeah. Um, but overall, though, the mission of the book was to glorify cooking, I guess. For sure. Is, for sure. Which is nice. It is a lighthearted topic. In this, <laughs> in this Google Talk, which you can find on YouTube, um, he talks about what inspired him to write the book. And he's saying that it's interesting how less people are cooking, but more people are watching cooking on TV. Yes. Um, I saw a New York Times article he wrote to that so effect. Which is strange, yeah. And, um, yeah. I actually have one defense of the book as well. I read this. There was, I think maybe it was in the New York Times um, review of, the, of Cooked that criticized the fact that they felt like the um, all of the cooking that he was focusing on was very difficult and time-consuming and would not be feasible for the common ho- home cook, I didn't um, which I actually disagree with. I think that's not <laughs> true at all. I feel like he is, I mean, he's not, he is, t- sure, building a barbecue, a smoker, maybe in the way that he's describing is maybe involved but it's not actually that involved and you know smoking meat is like not rocket science nor is the braising or cooking that he's talking about i actually so i actually disagree with that That's argument really that it was interesting they argument. were saying that it was like elitist and only aimed at a certain audience that would that, that it wasn't possible for it to actually well, the, recreate the recipe. I can see that it. point with regards to having the time to cook. Sure. Because um, a lot of people say that that's the major factor, that they, they are working, they don't have time to cook. So, you know, that's tough. You know, it's a really tough argument. Um, but I think that's part of the book, right, is to talk about why aren't we spending an extra half an hour to cook something that's going into our bodies and feeding our souls and really true, bringing yeah. our family mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Instead of, like, watching your favorite show right. or something, or a million shows. <laughs> Which you yeah. can do while you're cooking. Yes, yeah. you can. That's what I do yeah. sometimes. No, it, it was, um, I, yeah, that's an interesting argument. It um, was, it was. And I, I mean, I think that... Um, and maybe it's going to say, you know, that we don't cook a lot, so it seems really harder than it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, so, Cooked. Um, uh, okay. I see you have, you brought a, another book, Wenjay. Have you guys read Eat the City? We love, we love Robin Schulman's mm-hmm. Eat the City. Um, had her on the show. Lovely, lovely lady. Why'd you pick it? Um, I went to a lecture that she had at, um, a bookstore and it's, it's just the history of food in New York. Yes. And it's a really great way that ties in both those factors. Um, she talks about how community gardens got started in New York City how we were the main, Brooklyn was one of the main producers of sugar in the midst. That was fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, 
And then how people are, you know, making everything from honey to, you know, sugar, growing sugar cane Mm -hmm. these days in the Mm -hmm. city. And yeah, that was, that was, um, that's a really great book. I'm glad you brought it up. And I thought it was really inspiring, especially because we were talking about, you know, having your own food business and not really, you know, you're, you're starting business not to make this money. You're inspired by your food. You're inspired by your community, which I think is definitely telling in the book. Um, she talks about trying to transform the city into something better by taking back our land with food. Right, absolutely. In, in, in an unlikely land for food, you would think, which mm-hmm. is New York City, which is what you guys are doing. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much for showing it can be done. Um, so, uh, Elena, any, any last minute um, last picks? Cookbooks? I feel like I had my list. Okay, that's fine. I can't remember. (laughs) Okay, so um, I wanted to bring up a book that is um, that was given to me actually by Robert Seitzem on my birthday, Um, and it is called "The Old World Kitchen: The Rich Tradition of European Peasant Cooking." This book is really heavy, and it's full of recipes. Just tons of recipes for you know. There's a recipe just called "One Pot Stew," but it also has a lot of basics like sauerkraut, um, bakala, which is salt cod, and um, how to make yogurt, and um, just you know, simple food, simple rustic food that isn't really embellished or dressed up for a, you know, a pretty photo or pretty restaurant plate. And today I thought that was refreshing because not only are, try- are people trying to do you know, DIY experiments and ferment their own, you name it, vinegars, yogurts, um, booze, but also, um, you know, there's so many restaurant cookbooks out there, and it seems, you know, this is a fun little contrast. You know, it's this is this is where the basics are. Mm-hmm. So that that's my pick. So like which it. of those recipes in there do you feel like you use the most in your cooking? Well, I I have I just got it, but I think I I you know puree of salt cod, so delicious trout and sour cream. I'm really excited about the smoked fish and um, other sorts of like gravlax. And uh, curing of of fish, and also there's someone for for meat like charcuterie too. So I'm really excited to get like down and dirty and like kind of mm. experiment mm. around with these kind of long term projects. We'll see how that cool. turns out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wendy, any any last minute picks from you? Um, I usually get recipes from blogs. So yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good blogs, uh, you know, a good year in blogs, that is. I mm-hmm. think that there's more and more written word, you know, online than the book, than the cookbooks. And, mm-hmm. you know, as much as we're talking about how many cookbooks come out each year, I can't, nobody can really put a, put like a number on how many blogs mm-hmm. are, are started each year. Though, I think it's also interesting for certain things, like just what you're talking about, things like how do I make gravlax or how do I do this basic thing? I actually find that the internet is kind of can be really overwhelming and misleading. If you want like really basic information mm-hmm. on how do I do this one thing, like a really specific thing. Like how do thing, I make like, fondant? Do, exactly. Yeah. How do I make fondant? Which we actually did find in the internet. Yeah. So maybe that's not a good idea. No, but there was a lot of recipes to choose yeah. from. I was like, which one works? I don't know. And there was it, a difference. Right. Like yeah. fermentation is one of those things, you know, and you want to really know exactly how to like ferment beets you want to, know to who make to trust. from this. Yeah. And it's really that level of trust is where I feel like that's like the big difference between like the internets and the and a printed cookbook. Not that cookbooks are necessarily that more 
more trustworthy, tested. but they are in yeah, theory more they, tested. I mean, yeah, in theory they should go yeah. through some other eyes before I, it's printed. I'll see stuff online sometimes that's like for real. Even if it's a trusted blog, mm-hmm. they'll sometimes I think they'll like certain people will repost without testing or kind of just throw up a thing and, and you're like that is not those pickles not gonna work for you like those aren't gonna work you know and you see that and I think that's like that's one of the beauties about like or about looking to like gather journal or looking to a cookbook is yeah. that in theory someone's worked out that recipe and it's, it's like in done print, research you can't just mm-hmm. go ahead and edit and change and delete something in the back end yeah 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 so do you feel like that is what's really keep like the backbone of printed recipe books right now as compared to you know everyone has a blog it's sort of like authority Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know i think that there's a beauty component like you said with the with the zines and um you know all the great photography that we see in most cookbooks it's that's a huge factor too yeah i mean honestly i think most people probably i don't know i would say most people buy cookbooks for the story and the pretty pictures. And something, you know, to hold and curl up with yeah. in the subway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and it's pretty and you get a nice story and you learn about something that you didn't learn about or I don't know, that you didn't know before or you get to look at kind of, you know, if especially if it's like a restaurant's cookbook. You And like, best oh, of all, know. you can actually hand it over to your friend and give it to other people, <laughs> yeah, which is what exactly. I like to true. do right now. <laughs> actually, I'd like to purge my bookshelf and give them all away, so <laughs> that'll be fun. So, um, yeah, um, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. And for uh, us. let's look forward to a year in great books, 2014. 2014. So we'll many see you things. next year, I guess, on Eat Your Words. Thanks to everyone at Heritage. Um, happy holidays. Don't forget to um, gift a donation to the station if you like what you're listening to. Have a good year. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.